Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. America really doesn't like quitters. We never have. John Wayne would shoot people over quitting back in 1948. All right, anybody else? Say it now, because I don't want to ever hear it again. I don't like quitters, especially when they're not good enough to finish what they start. But me, I love quitting. And I love telling people to quit things. Here's me talking to our producer, Ariana. Okay, so you're, you are one of my best friends. It's true. And so I'm wondering, the premise of the show is that I like to convince people to quit. And so I'm wondering, as someone who spends a lot of time with me, have I ever convinced you to quit something? Actually, I think like one of the foundational stories of my life is you convincing me to quit something. <laughs> that can't be true. Okay. And just so you know, the last question I'm going to ask you is whether or not you're glad I did this. Oh, so <laughs> everyone knows this is like not necessarily a good thing. What is, what, tell me, what did I convince you to quit? So we had met through Harvard Divinity School. We had started to produce this podcast called Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. Mm-hmm. I was 25 years old. Mm-hmm. A wee babe. And I was miserable. I was, yeah. you know, crying myself to sleep every night. Um, Just really in a bad place because grad school was not for me in the way that I thought it was going to be. And you were like, just stop. Like, just stop doing this to yourself. And I don't think it would have ever occurred to me to drop out of graduate school if you hadn't been there. Like, first offering the option, which I don't think I would have offered to myself. And then, like, just, like, quietly reminding me that it was there. And I eventually I did. I, I, I quit graduate school. One of the central tenets of my life is try to not be miserable. I don't think of myself as a special person, but for some reason, I do not meet a lot of fellow Americans who share this point of view with me. And I hate that for all of us. 
everyone's defense, it is clear that this idea that we should persevere through anything, through our pain and misery, is as old as the founding of the nation. Thomas Jefferson wrote, Nothing can stop the man with the right mental attitude from achieving his goal. Nothing on earth can help the man with the wrong mental attitude. It's just such crap. Thomas Jefferson himself stopped a lot of men from achieving their goals by owning them. On some level, I think that most of us know that of course this isn't true. That it isn't just our stick to that leads to success and that a good attitude can overcome anything. But even though we know it isn't totally true, the feeling that our failures are all on us, it's in our DNA. Because America has this idea that all you need is land, a shovel, and a good attitude, and you can do anything. We have deconstructed this idea a lot over the last years. We have talked about privilege and starting from further along the track and nepotism babies. But the idea of not quitting, of grit, being a virtue, is still not just in the ether, but outright in vogue. For example, there's a viral TED Talk by Angela Duckworth. The whole shtick is that the key to success is grit. Grit is passion and perseverance for very long-term goals. Grit is having stamina. Grit is sticking with your future. Day in, day out, not just for the week, not just for the month, but for years. And working really hard to make that future a reality. Grit is living life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Duckworth started the study to follow middle schoolers studying math. Who ends up really learning? The kids who stick with it, who don't give up even when they have to struggle through. I am pro-kids learning math. I agree that it is okay for most kids to struggle through math until they get it, and that teaching them to get through some hard things sometimes pays off. But the other examples that she gives in this talk are fascinating. My research team and I went to West Point Military Academy. We tried to predict which cadets would stay in military training and which would drop out. We went to the National Spelling Bee and tried to predict which children would advance farthest in competition. We studied rookie teachers working in really tough neighborhoods, asking which teachers are still going to be here in teaching by the end of the school year. West Point cadets and teachers in underfunded schools. She researched who was successful, by which she means which cadets and teachers make it to the end of the year. But I'm really skeptical of that definition of success. I think it's fine for people to realize that they don't want to be soldiers and that it's too hard to work at a school that doesn't have the right resources to support you or your students which gets to the heart of why I'm so skeptical of grit as an ethic. The fallacy of grit is that suffering through something hard is good for its own sake. It makes you tough, a survivor, according to Duckworth, successful. But I don't think that teachers quitting is the problem with our education system. And more to the point, once you realize that there is a problem of mass exodus of teachers in a school year, 
what society asks, what's wrong with the teachers, instead of what's wrong with the system? A society that thinks quitting is a moral failure and not a reasonable response in a situation. But if all teachers decided that it shouldn't be grit that kept them in the game, but good wages, good treatment, and the proper resources for their students to learn, then that wouldn't be a lack of grit. It would be unionizing for the betterment of everyone. The problem with grit as a value is that it shouldn't be one. It should be a strategy. We should look at a situation and wonder, is this worth it? Do I grit my way through this? Or is it actually okay for me to stop? Is it maybe even important for me to stop? Like putting on sunscreen. Sand sticks to it more. It makes your face feel slimy. Sometimes you look ridiculous. But I think it's important to grit your way through it. But if you injure yourself halfway through running a marathon, I would argue that grit is the wrong strategy there. And you should consider quitting. I just think, and I really think this, that more often than not, when you really want to quit something, when you really want to stop running that marathon that you trained for and got dressed for and got on the train to run, you probably should. Life is hard for most of us, at least some of the time. There is going to be suffering. But to me, there is something perverse about glorifying who can take it the best and still get up and go to work the next day and finish the race. To what end? Just to say we didn't quit? Since I've become so skeptical of this pervasive narrative about grit and hard work, I found myself becoming a bigger and bigger advocate of quitting. I tell everyone to quit things all of the time. Here is Libby, who I told to quit her job, apparently after knowing her for three days. So I went on a pilgrimage with you in 2019. We were reading Pride and Prejudice. And I had been working a terrible job that I had kind of been pressured into picking because it... My parents and everybody thought it would be a safe, good career, you know, good benefits. And it just made me so unhappy. And I'd been struggling with the job for a while. And on the pilgrimage, we had a chaplaincy session and you could see how upset I was about the job. And you said to me, your job is killing you. Uh, And you just told me I could quit my job, which I think in my soul I knew I needed, but I needed somebody to tell me and give me permission that that was an okay option. And the second you said it, I just felt like full body relief. I knew that was the right thing I had to do. I knew I could do it. I knew I was ready to do it. Uh, and I just needed someone to give me permission to actually choose quitting. It's not just that I think misery is bad, which I do. I actively think that quitting is good. Quitting is a sign that you tried something. It is an acknowledgement that we are fallible. We overcommit. We make mistakes. We or the people we love get sick. We change. Quitting is also, to be honest, an acknowledgement of our mortality. We have to quit things because we can't do it all because we are going to die one day. That said, I don't think quitting is the solution for everything. I think that promises do matter and need to be taken seriously, even if I do think that there is always an asterisk attached to those promises. 
I think that sometimes we want to quit things for the wrong reasons, or even sometimes for theoretical reasons. So sometimes I do encourage people to not quit. Here is my dear friend, Laura Glass, on a time that I told her to not quit. So the main thing that comes to mind that was pivotal for me was that I was coming home on the tee. It's coming home, happened to like run into you on the tee because we both worked at a university and lived in the dorms. So we had the same stop. And I think it was winter before I was graduating divinity school and I was trying to figure out what I was doing next. And I had been doing this RA job that was great and also was really exhausting. (laughs) And it was my second year doing it. I loved the students. I loved the work. And also I was like, if I'm going to be working full time, ideally in higher ed, which is what I was looking into, should I still be doing this other job when I come home from my other work? (laughs) It's just students all the time. And like, I feel like maybe I'm starting to burn out. And so you listened to me and you were like, I really like this is like a time of transition in your life. You don't even, you don't even have your next job lined up. You're going to be asked if you want to continue with this job soon, the Res Life job. And I just really think that women, when they have the opportunity to not pay for room and board, should take it. <laughs> Something to that effect. I love that I made it about feminism for no reason. You did. And I was like, huh. men should also do that. <laughs> totally. And so I was like, I hadn't thought about it that way. And then also it was like, you know, you've done this work for two years. It could just be that this is like a a tipping point time. Could be like you, it's a year to year commitment and you can see how it feels in another year. Um, You love the work with the students, which I talked about. So maybe give it another year. And I left the, the tea being like, huh. And I like, I I kept doing that job. I got another full-time job in higher ed. So I was doing like working with students all day. And the night, that being said, the next two years of doing the Res Life job were the like the best years I had working with students. And not that I wouldn't have necessarily come to that decision on my own, but it, it really helped me to think about it a little bit differently and to take a step back. I mean, I can believe I made it about feminism. Quitting or not quitting, all decisions, they should be about us trying to live up to our values. I just think that one of our values should be to have a good life, which sometimes means quitting things. Every episode of this show, we are going to have someone on who's considering quitting something, and we're going to wonder what they're holding on to and what they're letting go of if and when they quit. We're going to wonder if the thing that they are holding on to is serving them, and we are going to wonder who benefits from them staying and who benefits from them leaving because sometimes you do have to stay for feminism. These conversations are not going to be simple. If someone has a simple, straightforward question about quitting, they probably aren't going to bother talking to me about it. But I do hope, even with all of the complications, that we get to somewhere that is better than where the people started. I hope that by opening up the possibility of quitting, we're giving ourselves permission to at least imagine another way so we can commit with more confidence to where we are, or we can, in fact, quit. And I don't think that quitting will solve everything. I love it, but that doesn't mean that I think that it's easy. Here again is Ariana Nettleman about quitting grad school, telling us whether or not it was actually a good idea. Okay, so it's been five years. It'll be, it'll be five years in December. Yeah. We just looked this up. How do you feel? Are you glad 
Are you mad at me? No, I mean, there are days that I'm sad that I didn't do it. Because it felt like a failure, right? It felt like I failed something big. Um, it's interesting. I think of failing at something and quitting as, like, close relatives but different. Mm-hmm. Do those two things almost feel like the same thing to you, quitting and failing? I mean, I didn't technically flunk out of graduate school, which I think would have felt worse than being like, you know what? I think I can't do this anymore. It felt like I had the power to do it for myself. I don't know. It felt like a little bit of both, but I I get to tell myself the story that it was a, a moment of power. I mean, I think it was. I think it was really brave. Couldn't have done it without you. Eh, whatever. There's so much at the heart of quitting. Our sense of self, an American ideal of resilience and perseverance, money, relationships. And we are going to explore all of this in this season of The Real Question, Should I Quit? You've been listening to Should I Quit, our latest season of The Real Question. Ariana Nettleman is our executive producer and co-wrote this essay with me. Our music is by Nick Bowl and Blue Dot Sessions, and we are distributed by Acast. This new season of our show would not be possible without our BFF tier patrons, Molly Real, Laura Lorber, Kristen Hall, Mary Margaret, Becky Boo, Jenny Cruz, Amanda Schramm, Effie Hugh, Stephanie Federwish, Biddy, and Ari. And thanks as always to our wonderful team, Julia Argy, Nikki Zoltan, Laura Glass, AJ Yaramas, Hannah Rehack, Margaret H. Wilson, Courtney Brown, and Stephanie Paulsell. Thanks everyone, and we'll start talking to you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.